What time is it? What time is it? Time is it? Time is it? Time is it? cocktail sauce because we're about to dive into the deep shellfish filled waters of the shrimp world shrimp the undisputed champion of the hors d'oeuvre arena the superstar of the surf and turf the tiny crustacean that packs a punch of flavor but do you really know what you're getting yourself into when you bite into that plump juicy morsel of shrimp in this episode we're taking a closer look at shrimp from the science behind their pink hue to the drama of their underwater love lives. So grab a bib, strap on your sea legs, and get ready to learn everything you ever wanted to know about those little guys that scuttle around at the bottom of your seafood platter. It's time to get shrimpy. Hey, who you calling shrimp? When it comes to the U.S. Gulf Coast, it's no surprise that we also contribute heavily to the world's production of shrimp. In fact, the Gulf Coast of the United States is the largest supplier of shrimp in the country. And when it comes to annual shrimp production, the Gulf Coast reels in an impressive 400 million pounds of the tasty crustaceans each year. That's enough shrimp to make Forrest Gump blush. You ever been on a real shrimp boat? No, but I've been on a real big boat. We're going to talk about Gulf shrimp and how they get infected from using foreign shrimp as bait. Now hold on a minute before you all start clutching your pearls. We're not here to school you on marine biology. We're here to tell you the tale of the time when Gulf shrimp got more than they bargained for during a night out on the town. Or rather the night they decided to take their dinner up a notch by nibbling on some exotic foreign shrimp bait. We'll discuss the ins and outs of this sticky situation, what foreign shrimp carry, how it spreads, and what problems it causes. It's a serious topic. There's no joke about that, but we'll try to keep it light and entertaining. After all, we're talking about shrimp here, not rocket science. Shrimp is much more complex. So put on your shrimping boots, and let's get cracking. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria! <laughs> well then... Good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. It's a good day for sampling. It is a good day for sampling. It's early summer, and shrimp are the hot topic along the Texas coast. 
biologists are worried about some nasty shrimp bugs, black gill disease. Black gill, it actually weakens them. And white spot virus, harmless to humans, but scary for shrimp. White spot is a very deadly disease. It can kill shrimp within 24 hours. Shrimp look good. If you had white spot, you know, if it was very prevalent, you'd see it right in here in the shell area. For those that rely on shrimp for their livelihood, a quarter shrimp, a virus that wipes out their bread and butter, that's a real concern. It's a domino effect. You know, our grocery stores, uh, the people that sell shrimp, the people that eat shrimp, you know, the people that catch shrimp. I really hope that doesn't infect our waters. Get her out there, you know, and it, it is scary. Shrimp are worth millions to the Texas economy. So protecting the resource and all who depend on it calls for some serious shrimp science. So I'm hoping for some slightly bigger ones. It's a lot easier to dissect a bigger shrimp than it is to dissect one that's this small. Jillian Swinford is checking bays up and down the Texas coast, taking samples. This big statewide survey that we're doing is very new to Texas, and this is the first time that uh, we've really been looking for black gill, and it's been a while since we've been looking at uh, white spot disease, so I think it's time to take another look. We're running a little shallower water this time. Okay. White spot disease has been found in wild prawn stocks off Moreton Bay. It's another major blow to Queensland's $300 million seafood industry after the harmful virus devastated prawn farms in the southeast. White spot hit Australia in 2016. White spot is a disease that came from shrimp farms. You'll have 100% mortality. Let's go ahead and pull it in. Okay, we're worried about it getting into the ecosystem either through runoff from the farms or by using bait shrimp um, that's been imported. While well, white spot hasn't been detected in Texas yet. It's a much better trawl. Mm -hmm. Blackgill is here. What we're looking for in these shrimp um, are clinical signs of disease. Um, they would have uh, darkened gills, but just because they don't have any discoloration doesn't mean that the disease isn't present in their system. Um, so that's why we got to take these guys back to the lab. Now I am removing the gill tissue. Just likes to stick. And with this gill tissue, we're going to extract DNA. And if the diseases that we're looking for are present, um, hopefully we can find them in the gill tissue. Ultimately, I mean, the work I'm doing is to try to help the populations we have and kind of monitor, you know, how much disease we're getting each year. Linked to changes in water temperature or salinity, blackgill is a parasite that weakens the shrimp's immune system. So it is a concern because these shrimp are ultimately weaker. Um, and so they may be more susceptible to dying because they have this. While blackgill has been here for a while, Right, see what we got here. The deadly white spot virus is a relatively new threat. Oh, looking real healthy, good. And we've never had this happen ever, you know, okay. um, in the Gulf Coast or Texas. The easiest way to keep white spot out of our bays. How you doing? Yeah. Can I get to a one pound of shrimp, please? If you need bait shrimp, shop local. The best thing for the anglers to do is just make sure they're using uh, Texas or Gulf of Mexico shrimp. 
any of our native shrimp are great to be used, the brown, the pinks, the whites. Just want to make sure that you're not using any kind of foreign or imported shrimp whatsoever. Appreciate it. Thank you. Foreign farm-raised shrimp bought from the store are often not tested for white spot. In other countries, they are not regulated like we are here in the U.S. And when they get shipped into the U.S., very little get checked, you know, to see what's going on with them. So that foreign shrimp should be cooked, not put on a hook. It doesn't affect humans. We can eat it all day long. But somebody's going to use that shrimp for bait. And when they use that shrimp for bait, then it infects our waters. And so now we've got it. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Texas shrimpers are struggling right now because of diesel prices. One expert says if prices don't fall, shrimping in the state will be in crisis. The Kent's Five border team, Jose Sanchez and Anastasia Bolton, have traveled to the port of Brownsville to see the problem firsthand. The fuel is outrageous. We're talking about a problem. Can't make any money with that. Doesn't always fix it. We can't afford to go out fishing with those prices. But it sure does help Leonard Leva feel less alone. I was talking to a guy that's in uh, Alabama, and he says their fuel was almost at 490. He says there's no way I can afford to go out with that price. Leva manages a fleet of boats at the port of Brownsville, and just about now, his crews would be going shrimping. We can't afford it, so we're trying to hold the guys back, and, and our biggest fear is that they go to the island or elsewhere and they get jobs here on land. Unfortunately, we have a worker issue. Andrea Hans runs the Texas Shrimp Association. My job description basically, obviously, is to protect this industry. The way she does it is by talking to people, educating them. Well, I've reached out to the Department of Agriculture, our governor, some of the local and state representatives. Replies coming back to me is, we're aware, y'all are like the farming industry, blah, 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 and we're really not. Hans tells us to fill up a boat right now could cost up to $100,000. She says the shrimp is at its maximum price, so the industry can't pass along the extra fuel cost to the consumer. We need that fuel price to get down to $3.25 to $3 in order for us to make any money. So the majority of the vessels are tied up. I don't foresee many of these vessels going out to fish with high fuel prices. I just don't see why they would. Doing a lot of maintenance. Ava is doing all he can to stay in business. Now we're replacing that framing with stainless steel in case all that talking about the situation actually fixes it. If that fuel goes down when it does, we got to go fishing quick because I don't want these guys here too long. And if seagulls stealing baskets of shrimp wasn't bad enough, now there's an even bigger threat to the Gulf shrimping industry, invasive prawns. In this next story, we'll explore what these pests are doing to the delicate ecosystem of the Gulf and how shrimpers are attempting to fight back. Commercial fisherman A.C. Cooper Jr. is in the middle of a very productive shrimp season. But in addition to his regular catch of native white and brown shrimp, Cooper is also catching a larger striped invasive species that is called tiger shrimp. A.C. says he caught his first tiger shrimp about four years ago. How many have you been catching lately? Uh, Sometimes we catch three, four a night. It uh -huh. all depends on what areas we go in. The first tiger shrimp was caught off Louisiana's coast in 2007 in Vermilion Bay. They can grow twice as big as native shrimp and are more aggressive. 
There are concerns that the tiger shrimp could outcompete white and brown shrimp for resources. That's a serious issue when you consider Louisiana's $2.5 billion commercial shrimping industry. We just wonder how they got in our waters and where did they come from? Uh, is there enough of them around the coast to where we have to worry about it right now? I don't think so, but I think in the future it may be an issue. Tiger shrimp are one of the most farmed shrimp species worldwide. In 1988, a batch of Asian tiger shrimp escaped from a research lab off South Carolina's coast, leading to a surge in numbers. The shrimp have been reported sporadically along the Atlantic coast over two decades and have been seen in the Gulf of Mexico for about six years. From 2006 to 2010, there were 110 reports of tiger shrimp in the U.S., However, a large uptick followed where 476 tiger shrimp were reported in 2011 alone. 125 of them were found in Louisiana. Less than 300 were reported last year, but officials believe fewer fishermen were calling them in because it was less of a novelty to see the Asian shrimp in their nets. Department of Wildlife and Fisheries biologist Rob Bourgeois is keeping track of the tiger shrimp catches in Louisiana waters. The reports seem to be random across the coast, um, you know, from Calcasieu all the way to uh, Pontchartrain Basin, we're seeing reports this year. This year our numbers are up and we did do a pretty good effort in getting the word out to the fishermen to report it. And so our numbers are, are higher than last year at this time. The potential problems are this is a large and aggressive shrimp that actually eats other invertebrates. It eats shrimp, it eats tiny crabs, um, so not only are you uh, competing directly for resources with our native shrimp, but you're also directly consuming them. So it's kind of a double whammy. And then the, the bigger question to me, the, the, the greatest potential problem is the transmission of diseases. We do know that they're capable of, of carrying up several diseases that it's possible to transmit to white shrimp or brown shrimp, which that would be a disaster. Shrimper A.C. Cooper Jr. says he is catching smaller tiger shrimp compared to the last few years. Well, that tells me one thing, that they are making, they are breeding. At this point in time, the situation is inconclusive. It leaves shrimpers to still report tiger shrimp counts and scientists to collect more data. The research also continues in other ways. Have you eaten any of them? Yeah, they're good. Tiger shrimp are good. In fact, they're worth more money in the world market than ours. Really? Yeah. So if it comes to that point and they have more of them, hell, we'll sort them out and sell them separately. <laughs> That's a great attitude when life gives you a net full of bycatching instead of shrimp. Don't despair though. We'll look further into shrimp when I return. It's the food of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. There's um, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, Shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. That's, that's about it. If you're looking for something to spice up your mealtime routine, look no further than Captain Joe's Seafood Market in Aransas Pass, Texas. Their locally caught fish, shrimp, crab, and oysters are so fresh, they practically flip themselves onto your plate. Okay, well, not really, but you get the idea. Plus, with prices that won't break the bank, you'll have plenty of moolah left over to splurge on a little extra tartar sauce. 
So if you're tired of the same old menu every week, head on over to Captain Joe's and live a little. Your taste buds and your wallet will thank you. They're located at 324 East Goodnight Avenue, Aransas Pass, Texas, or give them a call at 361-263-8267. Captain Joe's Seafood Market. So I'm back here in Kentucky at the Wild Turkey Distillery, and I want to let you in on a something. The folks here and I have created a new small batch burger, Wild Turkey Long Branch. Refined with Texas mesquite charcoal for smoky sweetness. It is my favorite bourbon on the planet. Wild Turkey Long Branch. Real bourbon, no apologies. A-A-B-I-1.0 podcast. We really like to hear from our listeners. Email or voicemail. Also check out our Facebook page. Surf's up. Got a boogie. Think shrimping is easy? <laughs> Think again. We'll explore the challenges and hard work that shrimpers face every day. It takes more than just casting a net to get those tasty crustaceans to your plate. So buckle up and get ready to learn just how tough shrimping can be. For decades, American shrimp boats have depended on foreign workers to handle one of the industry's toughest jobs, ripping the heads off millions of freshly caught shrimp. It's an essential part of the process. Headless shrimp are cheaper to package and freeze, which makes them much more profitable. But this year, a change in visa regulations means that shrimpers have to rely on Americans who've never done the job before and hope the new hires don't quit once they realize what they've signed up for. Bless this boat, Lord. Bless the courage. Bless their holds. Supernatural abundance. Supernatural catch. Bless them. Bless them. Every year before hundreds of shrimp boats head into the waters, a priest shares a few words of encouragement. You're going to have an awesome year. God bless you. God bless you. Send the finances from heaven. Si se puede. Hey! The shrimp boats need all the help they can get this year. After Congress refused to renew a special visa exemption that allowed them to hire veteran Mexican workers, shrimpers were left with three quarters of their crew jobs unfilled. I boarded a shrimp boat called the Dorada Cruise to see how hard the work could possibly be. I guess there's six people helping on board and four of them have never been out before, if you count me. Have you ever had a shrimp before? Yeah, I eat shrimp. No, you, you eat shrimp, but have you had a shrimp? Oh, no. Captain Maximo Cortez, a Mexican-American, has been fishing these waters for more than 40 years. Newcomers aren't just slower. They can also be a huge liability. Many of them quit while out at sea, forcing the boat to turn around to bring them back wasting precious fishing time, and burning thousands of dollars in fuel. I signed up to dehead shrimp for a night. Paul Jones agreed to do it for more than a month. I was doing another job, maintenance. 
in the hotel, and I heard about this, I left there and come here. This pays more. Do you expect it to be hard? No, At sunset, shrimp boats throughout the Gulf of Mexico dropped their nets. It was the official start of summer season. While the nets trawled the ocean floor, everyone prepared for a long night. The first nets came up around midnight. Holy shit! That's just one of two bags on one side, so they're four times as much as you're seeing right now. This is when the hard work starts. Headers have to rip the heads off as many shrimp as possible, as fast as possible, for as long as possible. Headers can work hunched over for hours nonstop, since shellfish only last for so long outside before spoiling. You haven't second thoughts about 35 days doing this? Yeah, but, you know, I'm quite sure I could do it. I really, really, really have to. But I don't really have to, though. Yeah, and if you don't really have to... Why, why keep fucking with it, right? More times than not, shrimping turns out to be a multi-generational thing. With the capture and collection of the little tasty buggers <laughs> being the central focus of many a community. In Chauvin, Louisiana, shrimp fishing has long been a way of life. Since the 1920s, Gulf shrimpers have brought their boats here to be blessed at St. Christopher's Church. The first European settlers in the 1700s pulled shrimp from the Gulf with nets they brought from France. David Chauvin's family has been in the shrimping business for more than 100 years. I'm uh, fourth generation. Uh, my grandpa, my great-grandfather did it, my grandfather did this, and my father. Most of these boats run one captain, sometimes two other crew members, sometimes three other crew members. The boat steams out to the fishing grounds, the nets go in the water, uh, all the work gets done, captain watches the first uh, set, okay, he's gonna watch and he's gonna pull the nets through the water, and he's gonna tell the crew members, go to sleep. In two or three hours, he's gonna wake them up. All hands on deck. Everybody comes on deck. The nets are brought up. Uh, the nets, uh, the shrimp and the fish are, are culled through or picked, what we called. The shrimp is iced up in the hole. Once the shrimp's iced up in the hole, one of the other crew members is going to take the wheel. The captain and the other two or three deck hands are going to go to sleep, and it starts over and over again. And this is does 24 hours a day, and like I say, most of the time, 14, 13, 14, 15 days at a time, and then the boats come back to the dock. Louisiana gold, right here. Uh, especially down in our coastal areas. You got certain processing plants that employ anywhere from 50 to 100 people. And then you've got so much infrastructure built around the fishing community. You've got grocery stores, fuel docks, and ice houses, and hardware stores. And if this industry was to go down, it would be devastating to this community. 
The long-term health of the Gulf shrimping industry is threatened by a growing dead zone, where low oxygen levels result from too many nutrients being carried into the Gulf by the Mississippi River. The reason they call it a dead zone is because when a trawler puts a trawl over, they don't catch anything when the oxygen falls below a critical level of two. Um, at one time it was called dead water. We're in dead water, we're not catching anything, let's move. And somehow it got turned into the dead zone. The area of the low oxygen uh, in, mid, in midsummer is the size of the state of New Jersey. And if you're a trawler and you're looking to catch shrimp, you can't catch any shrimp in a huge area. Now, the shrimp will move near shore or offshore. In some instances, you may be able to do better. But that means those small shrimp aren't maturing and moving offshore to reach a larger size that would bring more money to the fishery. Dave Chauvin has found that more shrimp close to the coast has increased the size of his catch. But there is a cost to this easier fishing. Uh, the closer to the land that we can catch those shrimp, the better off and the higher productions are for the, for the fishermen. You know, although it's a trade-off, the shrimp don't grow as fast, the shrimp doesn't leave out of the sanctuaries and the bays. Hey Dave, you want to put that back in the hole? Research shows that the amount of nitrogen entering the Gulf from the Mississippi each May directly impacts the size of the dead zone that appears during the summer. The obvious thing is to look to see how the nutrient load can be reduced. And in the Mississippi River watershed, the atmospheric component is fairly small, the city industrial component is fairly small, and sewage in cities is fairly small. Um, that might add up to um, 30, 35, maybe 40 percent of the total nitrogen getting to the Gulf, and all the rest is from agricultural activities. So the health of the shrimp in the Gulf of Mexico and the livelihoods of shrimpers like Dave Chauvin take us far back up the Mississippi, where farmers can help by keeping nutrients on the land and out of the waterways that flow to the sea. Where's the beef? Yeah, no turf in my surf, please. It seems as though you don't even have to own a boat to make your fortune in shrimping. You just raise them yourself in your own ponds. Case in point. When you think of shrimp, you think of the ocean. But a shrimp boat and trawl nets are not the only way to catch America's favorite seafood. Just ask Reed Bowers, a Texas shrimp farmer. We have 89 ponds, sits on 440 acres of water. We average, say, 17 to 20,000 pounds per pond. And our goal this year is to produce somewhere between 2.4 and 2.5 million pounds of shrimp head on. Shrimping is in his blood. His dad converted their family rice farm to a shrimp farm decades ago but the popular prawn wasn't his first choice. As rice changed a little bit, I looked at doing different things. I really got into shrimp a little bit by accident. I built a few ponds, but my interest was to raise redfish. The redfish didn't work, so he turned to shrimp. Reed started running the farm right out of high school. A few years ago, he bought the farm from his dad, carrying on the shrimping tradition. Uh, his dad was a farmer, he's a farmer, I'm a farmer, just a different kind of farmer. The Bower shrimp are different than their wild gulf cousins. They're a Pacific white. Reed gets them when they're about the size of an eyelash. They start out in his indoor nursery, about two million per tank. Around 20 days later, they're moved to one of his ponds. And then we'll move them out in the ponds roughly the last week of March, first week of April, uh, because it is a warm water species. So if it gets very cold, they'll die. And also we try to have everything out of the water by November the 1st. A cool front can, can kill everything we have. 
that's left in the water. After 80 to 90 days, the shrimp are ready to harvest. The ponds are drained and the shrimp pumped out. A dewatering tower separates the shellfish from the pond water. They're rinsed, packed on ice, and head to the plant. We produce a truly fresh shrimp. We'll harvest a pond one day, we'll process it the next day, take the heads off, then we'll pack it fresh on ice that same day and send the stores that evening. Some of his shrimp ends up frozen, ready to ship to grocery stores all over Texas, as well as the freezer section of stores across the U.S. They even process the ever-popular Texas Gulf varieties. Reed grows two crops of crustaceans a year, using water from nearby Matagorda Bay. Though his unique crop has its challenges, he's proud to be Texas' largest shrimp farmer, carrying on his dad's vision with the help of his family. My oldest son worked in the office. My daughter was actually running the heading crew this morning, and then my two younger boys like the outdoors, uh, like I do, and so they're out here helping me. It's uh, definitely a joy. So the next time you eat your favorite shrimp, Andre, don't just think of the ocean, think of Reed and a small crop making a big splash. Hey, did you know that the largest shrimp ever caught weighed over 18 pounds? Yeah! I guess you would think that since shrimp were caught worldwide and eaten in large volume, that as a species, they're pretty much pushovers. You'd be wrong. Those little suckers can be badass, too. shrimp is no bigger than your finger and it's a crack shot one of its two claws functions just like a handgun and other shrimp are targets when prey is in range the claw is cocked the claw snaps shut so fast it fires a bubble bullet up to 62 miles an hour the bubble bursts and stuns the prey. It all happens in a fraction of a second. The fastest gun in the sea. While not technically a shrimp, uh, the mantis shrimp has a reputation for quite a punch. Enough that I'm not going to argue with it. After all, there are heavyweights even in the shrimp world. Despite being only six inches long, pound for pound, he packs the biggest punch in the natural world. This is the peacock mantis shrimp. He's actually neither a shrimp nor a mantis, but stomatopod just doesn't have the same ring to it. This guy's biggest problem right now is real estate. There are more shrimps here than there are crannies for them to claim. In a hot market, you have to move fast. All that activity works up an appetite. Time to bring out the big guns. He's armed with the most sophisticated vision of any predator on Earth and the fastest strike. His eyes work independently and together to better target his prey. The 
these eyes detect more colors than any creature on Earth and see polarized light. He closes in on his target. The mantis unloads the ace up his sleeve. Hammer claws. His spring-loaded clubs strike 50 times faster than we can blink. For a moment, the surrounding water reaches the temperature of the surface of the sun. You heard that right. This crab is toast. But I pity the fool. Yeah, and speaking of toast, I have one. From diseases and invasive species to high fuel costs and labor shortage, it's clear that these shrimp and folks have faced some tough challenges. But fear not, there's hope for the future. By working together, investing in new technology, and maybe even turning to some creative solutions like shrimp running robots, we can keep this industry afloat and thriving. So let's all raise a buttery batch of boiled shrimp and toast to the bright and delicious future of shrimping on the Gulf Coast. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm your host, Terry Thompson. This is the ABI 1.0 podcast. Until next time, see ya.